Hello, and welcome to Witchy Woman Podcast. I am your host, Danae Sweet, and this is episode 121. I had the pleasure of having Calum Turner back on the podcast. This time, he is here to talk about tarot, gives you little tidbits about it, some opinions about the appropriation and stuff like that that's going on on the internet, and I wanted to know what his experience was like, like, How did it start? Like, what was the best moment that you can think of in tarot? Those kind of things. I wanted to know more about his personal experience with tarot. Um, I'm starting my tarot journey with him. He does teach classes and I am actually learning. I have had this huge block with tarot um, for a long time. I just, every time I try to learn it, I lose interest or I just, it becomes overwhelming so I stop. And this time I'm actually understanding it and it's fun and I attribute that to to his teaching. He is a wonderful instructor and teacher and I highly recommend his classes if you are interested in learning tarot. But first, I have a shout out to Britt from the Witchin Kitchen podcast. She talks about all things witchy and also shares her kitchen witch experience and it is a beautifully... Um, created and executed podcast and I really 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 encourage you to go check it out okay you can find her podcast where all great podcasts are streamed and you can go to her website witchinkitchenpod.com that's w-i-t-c-h-i-n k-i you know like kitchen and then pod Okay. I also wanted to share that she is sending, she has subscription boxes. Did you guys know that she had subscription boxes? Because <laughs> I did not. But she is sending me the summer solstice one and she has, it's like a sabbat in a box. It caters to witches looking to explore kitchen magic and build their repertoire by learning herbal correspondences and they get yummy recipes along with the dry ingredients for them. Holy crap, how aw- how awesome is that? So each consecutive box um, is going to be like for each, um, each, shit. So we got summer solstice and then we have Mavon coming up. Wow, my tongue is definitely being affected by Mercury in retrograde or I'm just going to blame it on that. So anyway, check out her podcast. She is on Instagram as well. You can check her out there. She has quite a few things on there. If you are wanting to get one of those subscription boxes, go find her on Instagram, click on her bio link and grab you one of them. Okay. All right. So let's get on with the interview with Calum Turner, palmistry expert, tarot expert, and also astrology expert. Like really, this guy is a triple threat. (laughs) So let's check out this interview. Hello. Well, I'm so glad to be chatting again because, you know, we did the palm reading episodes uh, last year, I think like November, December, and so much like a surge of people <laughs> over Christmas and New Year just took such an interest in all everybody wanted to book a palm reading. And I think I've done like a handful of podcasts now about palmistry, which is great because, you know, it's my niche, like I, I try to bring attention to it. But I've been doing tarot a lot longer, so I'm excited to talk about it because it's got a special place in my heart. Um, and I feel like I've got some some good information around it, you know, around the history, um, as well as my own experience. So thanks for chatting with me. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. So do you want to just give a little bit about tarot? I mean, not a lot, because I know you teach classes, hint, hint, guys. Mm. Um, so just a- Yeah, but it's, 
it's good to get like a little um soundbite you know because everybody kind of has their own opinions i guess you could say about the origins of tarot and some of them can be quite um outlandish <laughs> but often they come with like a grain of truth i think one of the big um myths that i like to kind of explore about tarot is um you know where did it come from uh is it egyptian in origin and the answer is like kind of but not really almost like half. <laughs> um, one of the kind of earliest influences we see from tarot uh, does come from Egypt. It came from Egyptian playing cards uh, in the 1300s. I think it's pronounced Malmuk, M-A-L-M-U-K. Uh, and the Muslim inhabitants of Egypt at this time used playing cards uh, that were similar to the, to the minor arcana that we see now. So those are like swords, cups, coins, uh, wands, they would have been batons or sticks, we would have called them. Um, but that's really where the major, uh, the minor arcana rather came from. We saw it in Egypt in the in the 1300s, possibly has older origins, uh, you know, those kind of playing cards in Islamic culture, but really, we only really see them cropping up in the in the late 1300s. Mm -hmm. uh, and from Egypt, they, they kind of spread out throughout Europe uh, and hit really, I would say like the Southern European countries, so particularly like Italy. Um, and Italy is really where tarot became what it is today. Um, you know, there we see kind of court cards implemented. Those are the kind of like kings and queens uh, because tarot, you know, the decks that we see today, especially in regards to the major arcana, um, which I think is where the confusion is, you know, are these archetypes from Egypt, you know, the death card, the wheel of fortune? Not really. They were um, really common concepts in medieval Europe. Uh, and the, I think the first complete tarot deck that we see was a Visconti deck. Um, you know, designed for the, the noble family of Visconti, uh, mm -hmm. who would have artists to, to kind of make that for them. And then in the centuries following, you know, that would have kind of picked up around, I mean, first Italian nobility, uh, but then kind of mixing with different playing cards uh, of Europe's in style and creating things like the, the Tarot de Marseille. Um, so are they Egyptian in origin? Yes, the minor arcana partly is. Uh, but really they take a great influence from European medieval archetypes, um, which are still very relevant today, but seen in very different ways. You know, the death card way back then maybe isn't the death card how we think of it in, in modern times. Um, but it's interesting to see the the evolution of how it, how it became what it is and how it traveled around uh, Europe. I love that. So you gotta ask, um, if you've been on social media, especially we call it the clock app, TikTok. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> if you've been on there at all, there's a big thing, and even on Twitter about tarot being a closed practice to Romani, mm. um, and I think it's still they're still arguing of it on it in some of those social media spaces. Still arguing. Yeah, I try not to engage with those kind of arguments because yeah. I do think it comes from. Um, mainly a place of misinformation. I don't think that tarot is something that you can appropriate because it pulls from different cultures. Uh, you know, we've seen Egyptian Muslim influence there. We've also seen um, Italian influence. There are certainly uh, in modern tarot decks, you know, really British culture did a lot to kind of evolutionize it with the creation of the Rider Waite Smith deck um, and the, the Thoth uh, deck as well. Um, and for sure, the, the Roma community is quite famous for fortune telling, but I mean, really historically, they were palm readers. Um, you know, even up until 150 years ago, it was difficult for anyone to get their hands on a set of tarot cards, really. They just weren't as mass produced. Um, so in Roma fortune tellers, you know, who were doing palmistry, they might have used playing cards. 
doesn't really make a, a closed practice. I mean, certainly they were not the creators of these decks. They were never card makers, paper makers. Um, and I do think that in this culture um, where we really want to be inclusive and spread awareness, you know, we want, we want to spread love to all communities, especially very impoverished um, and community, communities which have a lot of discrimination against them. Um, I don't think that it necessarily means like taking it as far as you can go to try and make it so um, closed in that sense, you know. Um, if anyone we have, we have to thank the Italians <laughs> um, and Egyptian Muslims. Yeah, it's, it's a strange little origin. Um, but again, tarot has really exploded across the world. Um, you know, there are decks and traditions and methods and meanings from all different cultures. Uh, it is something that isn't open to interpretation. I don't necessarily think that history um, is favorable to be, you know, open to interpretation because this isn't like um, thousands of years old. It's not like we're talking about mythology here. Uh, this is in recent centuries, you know, this is in the last millennia and we do have um, records and surviving decks to go based on evidence of where tarot actually came from. Um, in terms of like who started reading the cards first and who made that a practice, we'll never really know. Uh, we can think of the very first, I guess you could say like tarot celebrity <laughs> or notable person in the tarot community as um, Atea, I think his name was uh, Jean-Baptiste, I'm not even going to try and say his name in French, but um, he kind of reversed his name, he was a character in the 1700s uh, who really did a lot to ascribe meaning to the tarot um, and wrote it down in books, you know, he was the one that was kind of saying, uh, you know, relating the, the different suits of the tarot to the elements. And a lot of the work that was done in later tarot decks uh, by members of the Golden Dawn, they really took, took a lot of influence from him as well. He's kind of like the OG, the OG tarot guru, if you like. Um, and he was French, yeah. This was in um, you know, France through the 1700s to 1800s. Um, and we see a lot of different kind of card readings pop up uh, from, the, from the 1700s and 1800s especially. Uh, you know, playing cards, but we also have the, the Lenormand cards, which were originally the Game of Hope uh, from the year 1799, and they came kind of came from the older uh, coffee cards, I think they were, which were kind of inspired by coffee ground breeding um, and tea leaf breeding as well. You know, there's there's connections there, uh, although that's not really tarot, that's kind of a separate, a separate system of card reading. Yeah. Uh, but the culture of cartomancy really bleeds into each other in terms of these influential figures um, you know, mm -hmm. I think even Madame Lenormand, who the, uh, the cards were named after, I think she was probably more of a tarot reader than, you know, uh, those kind of Lenormand cards mm -hmm. as they came to be known. Mm -hmm. um, but it's hard to say when we talk about people from <laughs> centuries ago. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That's all, like, I love, I like learning a little, like you said, a little bit of the background before I learn how to do something. So. Mm. I think it's important like for a for a cultural context not just so that you're um you know appearing to be in the know but also you kind of understand how this uh came to be it can help you understand the cards a little better themselves um you know really thinking about where they came from and where these archetypes which have always been around um how they were compartmentalized into these images and the symbology that they're related to uh, I think getting a bit of background on that is is helpful Absolutely. So I got to ask, how did you get into tarot? This is a two-parter. Because so, I know you do palmistry, astrology, and tarot. Yes, I'm an astrologer. Uh, I've been taking up a lot more astrology recently. Mm -hmm. uh, very famous uh, 
not famous rather, but very well known for uh, my work in palmistry because it's so niche and I've done really well with that. But tarot I've been doing the longest. Um, so I'm almost sad that I don't get to talk about it as much. And which came first, astrology, palmistry? Tarot came first. Tarot was the first love in terms of divination and fortune telling. And you know, it, it definitely stretches back to childhood, but I can't remember the first time that I saw tarot cards or the first time that I knew uh, what they were. But I do remember getting my first reading. I was like 10 years old <laughs> um, and I was attending uh, the Circus of Horrors <laughs> uh, in, in the meadows of Edinburgh, which is kind of like a, uh, an area of grassland in the city uh, essentially with lots of cherry blossom trees uh, and I didn't know that you know 15 years later I'd be starting my career in the same place doing tower readings it was strange uh, but we were attending the circus of horrors and right next to it was an old uh, bardo wagon so again Romani association here uh, and I went in and you know the lady was a little hesitant at first she was like you know are your parents okay with you being here I was like yeah sure like here's the money and I got this tarot reading and I was fascinated not just by what she said but really by the images, I mean, I'd always really enjoyed, um, you know, using playing cards uh, with my with my Irish grandmother. And um, the images just kind of resonated with me in a way that I can still remember what her deck looked like. It was very much like an old Marseille style deck, kind of beat up, uh, beautiful tarot card deck. And that kind of stuck with me. And then the, the predictions that were given in that reading, you know, they started to kind of manifest throughout my teenage years. And I always kind of had an interest in the occult. You know, as a child, I was I was the one that um, favored Halloween over Christmas. I think you got two kinds of kids there. For me, it was Halloween every year. Um, I remember being like eight or nine years old in a bookstore and I made my dad buy me the, the witch's Bible, which I still have. <laughs> it was maybe a little beyond me back then, um, but I was always drawn to it. And I think it was my 17th birthday, I got uh, a debt gifted to me. Um, Whenever someone asks me, like, how did you learn? How did you start reading? It's, I feel like mine is always a little bit different. Some people learn from a friend or a relative or they take a course or they do lots of book learning. But the, the first deck that I got, which I sadly don't have anymore, uh, it was called the Quick and Easy Tarot. And I do recommend it for beginners. Uh, it was a little kind of Rider Waite Smith style deck. And it had, I guess you could say like a short paragraph written above the image. And then also on the reversal on the bottom, you know, if you're under reading reversals. So I didn't really have to learn or buy a book or anything because the information was there in front of me. Um, and I noticed that after like a few years, you know, instead of like really kind of scouring this paragraph for what meaning I'd go for, my eyes would just be kind of drawn to, drawn to the writing and it would become more uh, intuitive and storytelling in that way. Um, and then in my early 20s, I decided to move beyond, <laughs> move beyond the quick and easy tarot and, um, you know, get uh, some different kinds of cards and really kind of delve into it in a, in a study sense. Um, you know, I, I probably bought every book that I could on it at the time, watched every video that I could, uh, switched decks up, you know, tried different traditions and seeing what worked for me. Mm -hmm. It didn't go, uh, I mean, I'm 27 now, but I didn't consider going professional until I was like 24. Um, and I do think that I was becoming more confident in readings because I was at college kind of studying counseling and whilst yeah. that's very valuable, you know, I do recommend that any, any kind of reader, whether we're doing tarot or psychic readings, uh, it's great to have counseling skills, even if you're not going to go for like a full career in psychology, because um, it's important to listen to people and validate them. Uh, 
but I wouldn't have chosen that as a career because, you know, I do feel like I recognize patterns in people and I want to give advice uh, or prediction, I guess, is, is what people are seeking there. Um, a few months before I went professional, I was uh, visiting my auntie. She's 84, she's like my great auntie, she's my mother's auntie. Uh, and she was saying to me, I never really knew her in early life because she lived in Fife, not Edinburgh, which is kind of north of where we were. Mm -hmm. um, but certainly after the death of her husband, she came down here and we started becoming more close. And um, she was saying something to me, like she was saying, um, oh, your mom told me that you were getting into the, the tarot cards and all that. And I was like, yeah, I've been doing them for a few years, blah, blah, blah. She was like, oh, my grandma was a fortune teller like she read the cards and I was like oh really like that would be so cool like wish you had the cards and all that and she was like oh yeah they're just in that drawer there and I was like oh, I have to see them like these hundred year old um tarot cards they're not really tarot cards though they're like um uh fortune cards like Egyptian style playing cards so again it's got that kind of Egyptian connotation very much a symptom of tarot folklore um, and she, I always thought it was strange because she gave them to me, which made sense because I was the only other uh, card reader in the family, but they really should have gone to her grandson who, you know, was the same age as me, has a similar name, lived a very similar lifestyle. Um, you know, I should have passed down that line, but it was almost like they kind of found me. So I kind of took that as a little sign. Um, not that I think it's important for you to have you know, any family connection or ancestry to do a good tarot reading. But for me, it kind of gave me a little bit of a, um, a push, I guess you could say. Yeah. It made me feel validated in some way that this had um, passed down correctly to me. So a few months later, I just started uh, doing readings professionally out of the house. Uh, you know, up until that point, I'd probably only read for friends, family, friends of family, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it probably took about a year before I got my, my first gig again in the meadows uh, in a little stall you know maybe only a short walk from where I'd found that lady in her caravan originally all those years ago so it was a cool full circle moment for me I really it was it was nice <laughs> that is nice magical <laughs> it really is so along your tarot journey when did you decide, because I got to know what came next, did palmistry come next or did astrology come next for you? I think it was a little bit of a mix of both. Um, mm -hmm. And like, even as a child, I always related to, uh, you know, I didn't have the resources to study astrology really, um, or the commitment to it. But I always, because I'm like a Pisces stallion, I've got a lot of stuff in Pisces with Neptune in the first, I always felt like my sun sign or star sign. Um, so it always mm -hmm. seemed valid to me. But it was really in my early 20s. I want to say like age 22 was kind of like a game changer for me. Mm -hmm. um, and 22 major arcana cards. It's just, you know, it's a big symbolic life we're living. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think around that age when I, when I was going to college and studying counseling and I realized that, you know, even, even in studying counseling, like the, the father of modern counseling, Carl Jung, he was like an avid lover of tarot cards and palmistry as well not so much for prediction but for psychological archetypes and um kind of spiritual self-exploration uh so i, I kind of dived into both a little bit at the same time i think uh palmistry definitely kind of snowballed a lot quicker for me <laughs> um, you know astrology took a little bit longer to refine the practice but the interesting thing for me is you know these are these are kind of like um three points of a triangle for me tarot cards, astrology and palm reading, they all work on the same system. And they're all very interconnected, especially palmistry and astrology. 
Um, but even with the tarot cards, you know, I, I, I read them the same. I read them in terms of elements. There's a lot of uh, planetary mm -hmm. symbology in there, depending on, on what deck you use and kind of zodiac associations with the cards as well. Um, so for me, they all work really synergistically together, but definitely it started with tarot um, mm -hmm. and then in my early 20s, kind of more into palmistry and astrology. Um, I definitely think I'm just kind of blossoming now <laughs> in terms of uh, mm -hmm. astrology readings. Right. Um, tarot and palmistry have, uh, you know, been a kind of go-to for me for, for years now. Uh, well, I've had, what have we did, you've done a palm reading for me and also mm -hmm. an astrology. And I'm taking your classes for tarot, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can vouch for, for how good they are. The astrology one, both the, both, the, both the palmistry and the astrology blew my mind how much they were together like how much yeah. Um, yeah and I think one of the one of the um big pitfalls with that where people don't make the connection is that when people are studying astrology um they go straight to the Placidus house system which is the most common um but it's certainly not the oldest it's only been around for a few hundred years I think whereas I use whole sign uh house interpretation and that always links up for me in terms of what is going on in the hands to the natal chart sometimes it's really simple like i did someone yesterday you know and they happened to be um like a libra sun mercury and they had um aries moon with mars at a quite intense degree and when you look at the hands it was you know venus and mars kind of swollen uh, but it's not always that simple sometimes it's more subtle aspects are in the houses um one thing that I've really been loving doing lately is kind of combining palmistry and tarot, especially, um, you know, perhaps seeing like a sign in the hand, uh, whether it be difficult or positive, and then pulling some cards on exactly what that experience will be. Because um, for me, that's what tarot is. It kind of goes beyond your uh, personal uh, map of life, if you like, the guidelines or the energies. Um, and it really talks about literal experience. Um, people in our lives, situations we're going through, feelings that we have, courses of actions, uh, decisions that need to be made. Uh, it's very expansive. You know, I think tarot has been designed very cleverly uh, to be a kind of compendium of the, of the human experience. I think it's beautiful. I'm, and I will, so what's the difference? So if somebody's out there like, well, I have an Oracle deck, what's the difference between Oracle and tarot? Just so that we clear that up. <laughs> Yeah, well, each individual oracle deck, I mean, you might see different themes. You might see angel card oracle decks or animal cards or, um, you know, different kind of themes throughout them. But generally, each oracle deck is an individual creation uh, of, the, of the artist and commissioner of the deck, whereas tarot is kind of a defined system. Tarot is always going to be 78 cards. There's always going to be 22 major arcana cards. Those are the big archetypes, like the lovers, the wheel of fortune, the fool, um, and uh, 56 minor arcana cards, which is ace through 10 of each suit, uh, and then king, queen, page, and, and knight of each suit as well. So it does have a, a total structure to it. You do get many, many different kinds of tarot decks. Um, the most famous one being the, the Rider White Smith. I think that was published in 1909 or 1910. Um, and that really kind of set the bar. <laughs> Whereas before it was mainly, you know, Tarot de Marseille and surviving uh, or recreated Visconti decks. There was a few other ones going on. Uh, but Rider Waite Smith made it so accessible because the images are really legible. Um, you know, you don't have to be super literate on Tarot to see when it's a positive card and when it's a negative card. Right. So 
it's the one I recommend for beginners. I mean, it's I, I don't necessarily consider it a beginner deck. I, I like to use it at this time of year. I like to use it in the summer because uh, it's quite a colorful deck. You know, when it comes to Leo season, I'll maybe choose uh, like the Byzantine Tarot or something a little bit more regal. Um, or maybe the Thoth around Scorpio season, the, the Alistair Crowley decks that very much has that vibe, that kind of dark ethereal uh, energy. But yeah, tarot, tarot definitely has some uh, aspects to it where it's always going to be the same 78 cards and, and the same kind of suits, although they might be renamed slightly. I am a card hoarder like that. <laughs> I have, so um, I'm taking classes from you because I, I don't read tarot. I've tried yeah. class and I suck at it because I don't want to look at the images. I don't know what's going on, but I am getting better. I've been doing the daily draw and writing a little bit in my journal about each one. And I'm, I'm really, it's clicking finally. That little cheat thing that we did in the class, yeah. class with like a little, basically learned like half the deck in one. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do like a, a kind of learn, learn 10 things and you know, 50 cards kind of thing. Um, because I've never seen like a book or, I mean, I've, I've never taken entire classes because I kind of learn the way I want to learn, but I designed the classes to um, be a way that I would want to learn that would make it a little bit quicker, almost like a cheat sheet. Yeah. Um, if we can, if we can put it like that. Um, but I don't think you're a bad tarot reader. I just think you're very psychic. Um, you know, you just kind of run with what you go on, but it's, it's very useful to add uh, your knowledge of symbology uh, and numerology as well into the cards because it just, it adds layers to the reading, you know? Mm -hmm. um, for example, I think a lot of people struggle with reading court cards. Yeah. You know, like, is that you? Is it a person in your life? Does the queen represent your wife? Or is it an aspect of your own personality? Or is it an experience? Uh, for me, like, I, I tend to read them as all three. <laughs> uh, sometimes it'll be more focused on one, you know, I'll say like the uh, the King of Cups is a, is a person in your life, but I can also read it as say like a, a way of being. Um, especially with like the pages and the knights, I think they're very experiential because they're not sat in their throne, they're out living life. Um, you know, you can read cards in multiple different ways. I think that's that's helpful to get into as well. So I'm liking it. And the only reason I never did tarot is because I didn't want to mess up the meanings or whatever, but I'm finding with the like the daily draw thing. So I still do my normal like um, I meditate and I do my morning routine, which is, you know, meditation. And then I normally, if I wasn't doing the card thing, I normally write in what I call my intuition journal. I just mm. kind of sit and listen and see what, see what comes and see what messages come and I just write them down. So I just added the cards to that part and I will do the cards first before yes. I do my intuition thing. And a lot of the days it's been overlapping quite a bit. So I thought that was kind of neat. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll probably do that for the rest of my life. I do like a daily cross in the morning. I think a lot of tarot readers do a daily draw, draw where they choose a, a card for the day. I like to do two because I think it gives more context, um, you know, to the experience. And, you know, every day of your life, it can be different, arguably. You know, it's not always going to mean the same thing. So I think it's fun to leave them out and at the end of the day, see, uh, you know, how that's manifested in your day. And I think that's one of the best ways to learn tarot by experience. You know, you don't even necessarily have to take a class or buy a book. You can choose a couple of cards at the beginning of the day. Um, and then at the end of the day, see how those ideas or those images resonate in your mind and how they fit with, with what happened. 
um, or maybe just with what you needed to hear because it's not always experiential. Sometimes it's uh, advice, but I do normally notice that they are very predictive and it's handy at the beginning of your day <laughs> to get an idea if you're going to be challenged or if it's going to be, uh, you know, productive, whatever. I've been doing morning card and then I just kind of write down what my intuition says about the card and the actual meaning of the card that way I can work on that and then I draw the next one after I've already written stuff down as like a clarifying card like okay what else <laughs> and that's kind of how I've been doing it every morning and I like it so far yeah it's good uh, I enjoy uh clarification cards as well um you know just pulling on more whenever you need kind of thing it's what the deck's there for yes I'm hoping I can start using once I get comfortable with all of it when I get done with all your classes and I get comfortable I'm hoping I can start meshing that with my like the psychic readings that I give like yeah. I think that would be really fun and sometimes I do card like just oracle decks just because they're fun and I think it makes people more comfortable especially mm. if they've never gotten a reading any kind of intuitive reading before when they see you have cards and it might be something like these herb cards they're very they're not intimidating they don't look awfully occultish and scary yeah. so i would use something like this if when we when we still could do public um stuff that way they just weren't scared <laughs> it kind of made it more comfortable for a client so i'm excited to try my tarot deck in that situation if we can ever get back to metaphysical fairs here <laughs> yeah i mean you can do it online as well normally what i do yeah. uh, i've been doing a lot more tarot readings recently um and often i'll do them by video call uh, yeah. if it's suitable for the person sometimes we just do it by either like facebook chat or instagram chat because i'm quite a fast typer uh, mm -hmm. and i can send pictures of the cards or i can kind of hold them up to the to the webcam and you know i really noticed that back before the pandemic uh it really resonates with people a lot more if you say something to them and they can also see themselves playing out in the cards so i've just drawn two random ones drawn a bit spicy ones uh but say we draw like the the five of wands and then the um the devil as well you know these are quite uh contentious cards i guess you could say they cause a lot of friction and i think it adds weight to the reading you know when you when you say that to someone you know we might see the devil is often a reflection of the lovers the two cards look really similar so this person might be dealing uh you know with relationship issues that are a little bit combative there and i think saying that on one level you know can be powerful but as well as seeing themselves manifested in the cards and literally having it pointed out what's going on um you know that really uh resonates with people and it touches them on a on an emotional level um so the, the, the cards as well as delivering messages you know they're very powerful tools visually um these more modern decks were were designed specifically for that i shouldn't even just say with the modern decks because all decks really do um i just mean that because the the minors the ace through ten the pip cards are more scenic uh, there's more to be to be seen there uh, in the eyes of the, the seeker or the client. I like that. So I got what is I don't want to word it. What is the most memorable or, or if you have a few stories, what's the most memorable tarot reading um, that you've gotten like that was like either shocking or just blew somebody away or just kind of sticks in your head? There's so many, honestly, um, and I'm sure it changes over time. I tried to think of like one good example and one yeah. uh, maybe like a little bit more shocking example. I'll mm -hmm. start with the maybe a little bit more negative one only because, and I should preface by saying, this is not how a reading usually goes. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, it doesn't usually come up like this, but um, 
I was reading for cards for someone uh, that I'd read for before. Um, and they were concerned that their partner wasn't really in the relationship with them, that they felt like they were hung up on their, um, their ex-wife, essentially. Um, and they really wanted insight about where that would go. Um, you know, and I felt like it was coming from a place of healthy curiosity, like how much is this person going to invest in their, their future relationship? And when I pulled the cards, you know, all I could see in regards to the, um, not necessarily the partner, but their, their ex-wife was like a big severing. Um, and it was strange because they had separated, but always stayed in touch. And I just thought, you know, this lady, I don't think she's going to be a problem in your relationship. I, I think she's probably going to have the worst year of her life soon. It's going to be really tough to come back from. Um, and I, I didn't really realize at the time what that meant. But the lady came back to me a couple months later and said, um, yeah, they, they passed away under suspicious circumstances, like in a different country. <laughs> um, so it was, it was very, very odd. I mean, I remember the cards and again, these cards don't necessarily spell out that that's going to happen, but it was like the tower, uh, the three of swords, the seven of swords, um, just a lot, a lot of negativity. And I thought they were, again, I think I said, like, <laughs> they're probably going to have a horrible year and it'll be hard to come back from. Yeah, it would be really hard to kind of come back. <laughs> the only reason that sticks out in my mind is because I would never usually predict death, especially with the cards. It's not something that we usually see. Um, I think people are more afraid of that in palmistry, but it's relatively scarce in readings you know it's not something that I would ever intentionally do and I didn't even think was happening there um, but that's the way it came out and I just remember when that client came back to me the kind of look on their face and they kept saying like it was in the cards it was in the cards because those images uh, of what had gone on in the cards and me saying how you know difficult things might be then uh, really stuck with them and and left an impression I guess you could say so I think maybe after that, they were a little bit like, huh, but I was glad that they, they knew me uh, and they knew me previously, that that wasn't necessarily a regular occurrence uh, or that would happen or manifest from a reading. Um, but it was still very interesting to me and a little bit like, oh, <laughs> you know, kept me on my toes. Um, normally readings are uh, much more positively orient oriented. And I mean, everybody's got difficult times but it's about kind of validating, you know, what's what's been difficult and also seeing what direction they can go in uh, to create a more positive future, because I'm a believer to some degree in self-manifesting prophecy, oh, yeah. um, but only to a useful degree. You know, I think if you can see your options played out with tarot cards and say, well, that road gives me this, but that road gives me this, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to kind of sway more towards this one. Um, then it can become a really useful tool in planning and creating your future rather than just saying, you know, I'm a slave to the, to the fates and whatever happens, happens. Not really, whatever happens usually because of, you know, your actions. Yes. Um, out of seven, eight cards in the tarot deck, there's only two that are really completely out of your control. Um, we do think of the major arcana as being a little bit more like energies that are bigger than you. But certainly with the Wheel of Fortune and the Tower card, which is the one I was just talking about in that reading um you know those are kind of like unavoidable change uh they're kind of like catalyst cards and not necessarily you know uh you're not always able to kind of sway them to your <laughs> to your needs but certainly you can prepare with that as well um so yeah it's about giving people their their best options i guess you could say um i have had some pretty uh, happy experiences with the cards as well. Um, again, not something that I usually do, but I, I, in person, I used to mix palmistry and tarot quite a lot. Um, and not always, but sometimes in palmistry, you can see infertility issues. Um, 
was a little bit, I was a little bit on the fence, if, if I should even say it. Um, I kind of always am, but I brought it up in the reading and they said, yeah, we've been trying for like four years now. Like, what do you see? <laughs> um, and I was a little bit disappointed in the palm because that, that was pretty much all I could see was the issue. Um, but then I got the cards to kind of extend upon that and give a little bit of time frame. Um, and again, I'm not a medical professional. I always, I always tell people that. Um, I hate to give people false hope, but we drew the cards, you know, and it did look like the next again year that there could be the possibility of a child there. Um, and it was really nice when they got in touch to say, I'm pregnant. <laughs> I'm pregnant. Um, and then I, I don't think I've seen them since the, the birth of their child, but I know they, you know, they do have a child now. So that was, that was really lovely to be able to see, um, again, a difficulty kind of resolve. Um, and although I'm not a medical doctor, I do try to give advice around that from a, from a spiritual and emotional perspective, um, you know, because there's, there's things that you can do in all situations. There's actions that you can take, uh, not just towards making your own future, but to dealing with whatever you've got going on presently in a better way. Right. Yeah, I, I, that's what, how long has it been? It's for the year after I started the podcast. So I don't even remember that. I think we've, this is the third year. Yeah. So that, that summer, um, I think of the first year I had somebody draw me and like, kind of was that one of those crossroads in your life? I was probably, what am I, 42? So it was like around like 37, 38. And I was like, I don't, <clears throat> I was closing my actual shop. My physical shop was closing and, and I was going through a lot. So I had somebody, a close friend. I'm like, I need some advice. Like, show me kind of what's, what do I got to look forward to, you know, ahead of this <laughs> post post shop um and she had seen um I can't remember even the card but she was like you know I think this is a life-changing change like path for you like closing the shop and starting something new is going to be important and then she drew the freaking tarot or the tower card and at the time I was like hey, whatever I know it's supposed to be bad and I was really really preoccupied with other things so I really didn't take her advice and um that summer like my entire life just went it like it did total tower moment and so i see that card and i respect it now <laughs> if it comes out because that it did it was a good thing i needed that terrible that towel tower moment to rebuild and do this other thing which did turn out to be really a blessing the the, the tower was a blessing for me it was sucked it sucked but I always kind of describe it as like Saturn return. If anybody's familiar with astrology, it's that time in your life, um, usually 28 to 30 is the, the big one where things kind of crumble down, but it's only to send you in your proper direction. Um, oh, yeah. The tower uh, card itself, you know, it does have that kind of malefic uh, reputation, but it's exactly what you said. It's it's about breaking down structures uh, to rebuild something, something new or probably better. Um, so we're always trying to look on the positive side. Yes, when I see it, I'm like, okay, I know there's something positive that's got to be on the other end of this, but what kind of like fuckery am I going to have to go through <laughs> now? I've only drew it like one other time with a friend. And again, it, it did happen. She was like, oh, well, this is, this relationship with this person is probably going to end. And it did. <laughs> mm. It's interesting. I mean, we, we do see a lot of endings and new beginnings with tarot. And I think that's often when people come for readings. It's yes. because they feel in themselves that a cycle for them is ending and they're wondering what the new one um, will bring, you know, how they should approach mm -hmm. it. Um, 
you know, is it going to be easy? Is it going to be hard? <laughs> and yeah. to also yeah. get some advice with those predictions as well, because the tarot, it really does illuminate everything about the human experience. It shows us our behavior, our patterns, our experiences, uh, people in our lives, energies that are a little bit beyond us. So with all that in mind, it really gives uh, a kind of holistic reading, I guess you could say. It does. It does. I respect tarot now. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. It's not, it's, I never really dove into it. And I hadn't had a really had a tarot reading until um, my friend did that for me. She reads professionally and I was like, you got to help me out. Um, so from then on though, I was like, okay, respect those cards. And that may be why I kind of shied away from it. Cause I'm like, I just don't want to know. I'm the queen of avoidance. <laughs> so yeah. um, I was probably part I of- I will call you out. I mean, I, often when I'm doing readings, I start out with a uh, with a general reading um, mm -hmm. and there's different ways that I do it with different decks, different spreads. Um, mm -hmm. But I would say like the majority of the time, like a good 90% of the time, um, you know, the general reading will bring what they had in mind for getting the reading delight. It'll, it'll give the kind of past, present, future more of an emphasis on the future um, of that situation and provide uh, insight or advice around that. Sometimes it won't. Sometimes it's gonna, you know, if you've got a lot of resistance to something, the cards might totally call you out on it. <laughs> you might be like, oh, I didn't want to bring that up. But if you leave it up to the cards, you know, I do think there's a um, an energy behind this and the energy is really consciousness. Um, you know, it's, it's a tool of awareness as well as um, prediction. And I don't like to get too, um, nothing against it, but I don't like to get too new agey with it. Um, but at the end of the day, divination itself, you know, is very much a, an awareness practice, um, exploring consciousness and how that creates reality. Um, I'm not super a fan of, um, I guess it just comes with the territory because tarot is so widespread now. There's a deck for everybody all across the world, which is great. But I think a lot of people use the tarot um, in a self-help sense. Yeah. Um, again, that's really great. But it's not necessarily, you know, how I would want a reading to go purely. I've never wanted to be just giving people pep talks. I've always wanted to give a prediction and then say, here's, here's how to deal with it, because this is coming. Um, you know, I've been for readings before and the person has just kind of like tiptoed around the cards and really more spoke about it in like an energetic sense rather than a, here's an experience that's going to happen to you in three months time. Um, which, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that it's difficult to do that with the tarot. I think it's designed to give timelines and answers and um, experiential predictions. Yeah. So uh, I know you're still doing tarot readings and you do them online. Have you seen a trend? Because with the readings that I do, I don't do card readings, you know, for the most part. I mean, I will play with these or whatever, yeah. but, um, but most of this is just intuition. So I have had a vast majority of clients um, ending and like stopping something and going. It's been their ending and new beginning the last like two weeks, maybe even farther than back than that, but really heavily um, the last two weeks I've gotten readings like that. Like you stopped something or something, basically they had a tower. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's been strange. So I assumed it was something astrological. I'm like, I don't do astrology. Uh, I mean, I like it and I can give you basic stuff, but I don't know what's going on exactly. So I wondered if there was, is there something going on? Like, there's always something there's going always. on, always. <laughs> I think, um, especially with the, uh, I think it was on the, I don't remember the date now, it wasn't too long ago, 
uh, the super blood moon eclipse. I want to say it was on the 28th. I'm terrible with dates once they've been passed. Um, I think it was last, I think it was only on Wednesday, so maybe four days ago, maybe it was the 26th. Um, I think with that, it was a big combination, a culmination of a full cycle. Um, you know, super blood moons are always really, really intense. Uh, it was happening in the sign of Sagittarius, which is again, quite an expansive uh, sign, but it's really changing our, our beliefs a lot. I also just think that after the year we've had, you know, with the pandemic, um, and it's different for everybody in different regions, but certainly, you know, here in the UK, um, which I think we were a lot more locked down than the US. I think the US had it really kind of relaxed. Um, but certainly with, with spring and everything, you know, um, after such a difficult year, it's definitely a time of new cycle, new beginning energies uh, coming about, which is really, really positive. But I think after this long period of incubation, um, and sort of introversion in our in our homes and uh, you know giving up a lot we see things from a very different perspective so we're willing to make more hard and fast decisions about what are we cutting out and also what are we striving uh, towards um, so it's definitely a climate it's definitely a feeling that's that's going across I, it's what, I was wondering if you're experiencing the same stuff because that's I mean for myself yeah. I feel like I've had a new I have a new cycle it might not be like outwardly evident, but there's definitely something going on and I've changed some direction <clears throat> with some things. So I feel like, if it's, you know, and I see, and I call, I shouldn't call my husband a muggle, but to hear it, you know, anyway, <laughs> I've seen my muggle friends, my muggle husband and my people who don't, you know, aren't into the same stuff or follow any kind of astrology. I, I'm seeing them. Some of them are like, okay, things are changing. And some mm -hmm. of them are so hell bent on not going with this new cycle and you can see them struggling and I just want to tell them like hey man <laughs> don't fight it you know and I want to give them advice but they would never take it anyway um but I am I've definitely noticed uh an increase especially throughout the pandemic um of people who take more of an interest in tarot uh in astrology as well because we've got more time to think you know we've got more time to stop and contemplate the meaning of life and the energies behind things people are, are, are really opening up to it. And if you have a good experience, you know, if you're a bit of a skeptic and you go to uh, a um, tarot reader and they get predictions, right, you're, you're probably going to be more open to trying it again. And again, your beliefs would change around that. Yeah. But as time goes on, although there are more people leaning towards that way, you're right what you said about the other side. There, there's definitely becoming more polarization and divide around it. Um, and that's probably just going to get more dramatic, you know? It is. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen a pretty big split, even within my own, like, spiritual community, our little, my little friend circle or whatever, in the last <clears throat> two years, especially, I think it's really changed, and we've seen people just drop off and disappear, and um, it's been interesting to watch everything kind of play out, <laughs> but I've learned, I've learned from my last tower thing that if I fight it, it only makes it worse, <laughs> so... Roll with the punches. Yep, I'm just rolling with it and going like, okay, this is what we're doing now. <laughs> <laughs> so if somebody wanted to take a tarot class, how do they do that? Mm. So I was thinking, um, because we I ran the palmistry course uh, late last year, early this year, and that went pretty well. I was thinking of maybe doing like a, a group class for it. Um, I'm just unsure of when that would be because I've been busy. Yeah. <laughs> And now that it's summer here and we're not on lockdown anymore, I'm probably going to try and have a bit of a social life. 
Um, but I'm still available for private lessons. You've had a couple of the classes. Um, usually do that via Zoom or Facebook uh, chat. Can even do it via WhatsApp. You know, if you've if you've got that on your on your phone or whatever. Um, I do offer ten tarot classes, but I'm the first person to say that you won't necessarily need all those classes. Um, I definitely give information about what they what they offer up front because you know the first class, which is kind of like an introduction with the history and um, different traditions, and also talking about cleansing your deck, buying your deck, storing your deck. Someone may not feel like they need those kind of uh, very introductory things. It might interest them. It might not. Um, I do think the second class is really beneficial, which is kind of like a, a cheat sheet, a quick uh, guide to tarot, if you like, in terms of learning the numbers, the court cards, and the uh, the elements or the suits. Um, but you might not necessarily need all the all the uh, classes on the card meanings. I mean, they are just my perspective. Um, but certainly people can pick and choose, you know, maybe they just want to do the tarot business class, maybe they want to focus more on spreads and storytelling, because everybody's at a different place in their practice. And, you know, even if you're an absolute beginner, I'd say just go with the classes that, um, that sound right for you. Um, but of course, people are welcome to all 10 if they like, if they, if they want to be really thorough um, with that as well. Um, but I'll see about maybe starting a a group class at some point because it worked really well for the for the palmistry and I think it would be although there's more classes I think it would be easier for for doing tarot with that as well everybody would have a they can see <laughs> same yeah. thing so uh you can you were on Instagram fortune by Calum and then also the same name on Facebook right yeah, um, I do. I do love that people contact me on social media. I'm such like I'm not tacky whatsoever. Like I'm such an old fashioned. Um, like I like I have like a diary that I write all my appointments in by hand. Like I'm never, <laughs> I'm never gonna do it on technology. I did think about because um, I have a a website. I don't really use it. I'm maybe gonna make a new one. Um, but I don't really have like an online booking system mainly because I do so many palm readings in astrology, and I really need to. Um, discuss with people, you know, getting pictures of their hands and their birth details and all this kind of stuff. I might set up a tarot uh, schedule system, um, but I think it's great when people reach out on social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, or email, fortunebykalem uh, at gmail.com, um, or you can just Google me and get my phone number. You know, if you're in the UK, I'm very Googleable. Fortunebykalem. <laughs> Cool. Well, I'll make sure I have all of your information in the show notes and I'll share that with the, um, our private groups and everything. And then what else? I had something else I was going to ask you and I don't remember what it was. Hmm. I'm sure I'll remember it after we go off. Have you seen the, you notice this light here? It will yeah. not it just, I wish it would die. I have a light above me that like one of the globes is like flickering and it won't die. <laughs> It looks like the light of heaven shining down on you. It really does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It won't die. I'm just, just die because I want to get the white lights instead of these yellow ones. I hate mm. the lights. Kind of like the yellow. But I'm cheap, and I don't want it to. I want them <laughs> die first. So, um, well, if I remember what it is, I will let you know. But I'm enjoying the class. I'm actually learning it and. I had such a block trying to like, even I have tried to pick up tarot off and on for the past what, 10 years and I never really got it. <laughs> but I, in one class, I'm actually getting it a little bit. So that's, um, that's saying something. So I had a big block. I don't know why, 
but I did. Yeah, I think the second class really, I wanted it to be like a little bit of a catalyst to make things easier. But I think with doing classes in general, you know, whether you do it with me or, or whoever else, I think having another person there, not necessarily as a mentor, but kind of like a, kind of like a partner in practice, because, you know, it's, it's all very well and good to go out and practice with tarot cards on other people, but to actually be able to, you know, discuss it, I guess you could say, not just, you know, I'm going to give you a reading. It's more like you can have a back and forth about your ideas. Um, and there can be, you know, questions around that. Um, I think that's, that's where a lot of people really benefit from it. Um, they're, they're wanting to read cards. Yep, I try and learn just myself or through a book and I never I always just lose interest and put it down <laughs> because I'll get like oh my little flighty mind will just go do something else for a while but this actually I'm terrible about that I have like 12 13 books piled up here that I'm just kind of reading little bits of at a time just to keep myself busy mm -hmm. um you commit as well I mean I uh, I don't charge very expensive uh no. rates for for learning tarot um, but certainly I do think that when you, when you've chosen to invest in someone, a teacher or a class, uh, and you're putting your, your time and money into it and someone else is putting time into it, it does help you commit a little bit more. And I think that's mm -hmm. where people struggle with tarot is the kind of, um, commitment with it because very much, and the same with any kind of readings, palmistry, astrology, like playing piano, you can, you can read a book about it every day, but unless you're actually playing it. Um, or practicing, you're you're not necessarily going to get that skill or develop it massively. Um, so I think it's it's great to have a. I, I like to say a partner rather than a teacher in that. Yeah. Because um, it is very two ways, you know, with your with your practice. Yeah. No, I like it. I like that. Um, I like that I can tell you what my blocks are, what I think they are, and then the class seemed more. I don't know. I can understand it better based on you knowing I needed to tell you like I, that's why I'm odd and I got all blue cards because, <laughs> yeah you did I've never seen anyone with like a fully blue deck the whole image the back like and you're like and I did that you go and then you go and dye your hair blue it's just blue all around I know like I I purposely got just one color because I that's I read I love it yeah I will read oracle cards by the colors and by the artwork and everything and that's what my block was with tarot is that I needed, I started reading them like that and not how they were actually, like, I didn't know or take into consideration the actual meaning of the card. And I mm. want to learn that so I can kind of get more. Um, my well, the, the, the color does play into it. I mean, I'll pick one up right now. We've got the Empress there. Um, you know, we've got all that yellowing green, very symbolic of spring and nature. And it's, um, it's a very Venusian card, very connected to fertility and all that kind of stuff. So I think the color can often be helpful um, in, in memorizing the meanings. Uh, but I appreciate what you said about, you know, stating your, your blocks or where you're struggling in the beginning, because I do ask that at the start of every class um, and beforehand, like, where do you want to go with it and what do you need focused on? Because although each of the classes has a structure, the way that I speak to people and what I place more of an emphasis on or take more time to explain, that's all down to the needs of the, the person who's uh, learning to read the cards. Um, so it is personalized in that sense, you know? And I usually do that with readings as well. I mean, I normally start out with a general reading, which is fine, um, but I always, you know, ask the person afterwards, like, have we, <laughs> have we covered what you need to know or do you have questions? That's fine, do you wanna focus on a specific area? Um, what interests you and what would help you? Right. Well, I'm I'm making myself only learn on these blue ones, so I learn the actual meaning of the cards, and then I have 
because I'm a card hoarder. I have other tarot decks I just don't use because I thought I liked them and I thought they were cool. So yeah. <laughs> when I'm I think when people, I learn... people would think that I'm a deck hoarder and certainly I've owned more in my life. But I think, you know, including tarot, I think I have one Oracle deck, a couple mm -hmm. of Lenormand decks, uh, some strange antique cards. I've probably only got about a dozen. Yeah. Um, and I'm very cyclical. Like I said, like I, I change with different seasons. Like for every spring, every Taurus season, I bring out the mythic tarot because I think it's a very Taurian deck. Um, I definitely go on, you know, the energy of the seasons with that. Um, but I can. Well, I'll have to actually get a, a reading from you then. So we can, so I'll have. Oh, yeah, we could do. That would be cool. <laughs> Yes, because I've had I've had palmistry and astrology readings from you. Um, so now I need the other one. I can Tarot is very different. I definitely feel like both astrology and palmistry, because they are siblings, they really, really are. Um, palmistry is kind of like a smaller version of what astrology is, but it also gives a few little specifics that astrology doesn't. Whereas mm -hmm. astrology is kind of like a very large whole of life reading and it mixes uh, character analysis with different energies and the different places of your life and a little bit experiential prediction as well um and even tarot is the same but I do think that the focus is more on predicting yeah. situations yeah. and experiences in your life um whether they be good or bad but with the tarot you can also very responsive to questions very very responsive mm -hmm. you don't have to uh, ask questions but I do think that you know the cards definitely respond very well to them um and it helps it, it does help the reader as well you know it helps us give a, a lot more direction and confidence in what direction we're we're going in um but like I said I think with practice often even a general reading will kind of cover <laughs> what you want to know I think so well did you have anything what one piece of advice you could give to somebody that has not dove into tarot that wants to hmm well uh in terms of reading and learning to read the cards I really do think that that daily cross um, you know, at the start of the day, that is, that's how you, that's a very easy way to learn uh, by experience. Pull a couple of cards in the morning, maybe have a go at what you, you think they might be, and you can find, you know, meanings anywhere. You can Google them, you can buy a book, it depends what you like, uh, take a class or whatever. But at the end of the day, like reflecting on what were those cards and how did my day go? Um, that's really how you put experience into the cards. And for me, that's, that's always been the way that it's resonated. Um, and kind of bleeds over into, into other insights as well. Um, yeah, that would be like my number my number one tip. Also, just don't be afraid to, to read for people really. Um, you know, some people really want to learn tarot, but they're a little bit nervous to give their first reading. Um, in one of those cases, you might find that like the deck that I started with, the Quick and Easy Tarot, I think there are decks out there with keywords on it. Um, you know, maybe if you get a little bit of readers stage fright or whatever <laughs> um don't be afraid to to take it slow but i definitely say you know dive dive right in um because practice practice makes perfect and you don't have to be perfect as a tower reader but definitely the more experience you gain um you know it kind of snowballs into something great nice yes i i i like the whole like what you said about doing it in the morning um yeah and it really, and it really goes in with my entire like my mind I call it my mindfulness practice so like it just added one more thing to that practice which I really you can do it. that with anything you can do that with tarot cards with Lenormand cards oracle cards you can do it with the rune stones 
Mm -hmm. uh, you could even, you know, swirl your tea leaves in the morning if you, I definitely think that doing something in the morning and seeing how it plays out in the day. I think maybe some people are afraid um, that tarot is this big judgmental um, consciousness, uh, mainly because of the snootiness of some readers where, you know, it's not just meant for a random prediction every day, like you have to take it really, really seriously. Um, I would disagree. I think it's definitely all down to your own mindset. Um, and I don't think an inanimate object is going to judge you for, you know, taking it slow and trying to learn something, um, especially learning by experience. I think that's one of the best ways to do it. I think so, too. Um, about your Patreon. Because I really oh yeah, I've um, taken a break for Patreon over the last week, but I am posting something tonight. I'll have more stuff coming next week. I do offer like many lessons on Patreon, and that goes across uh, tarot, astrology, palmistry. I kind of do um, astrology updates with a bit of advice from the tarot, um, and just write about whatever interests me. You know, it might be like a book review. Sometimes I do little interviews, um, stuff like that, and um, thinking about where I can go next with that as well. Uh, just fortune by Caleb again on Patreon. Just go on Patreon and find you. So yeah, you could even just Google it. Okay, I will have, I'll make sure I do, I, I get the link though, and I'll put it in the show notes and then in my cool. other links that I, that I put for this episode, I'll put it in the both groups as well, just in case they can't find it. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for chatting. I hope, um, I think that's a, a really good place to, to start, you know, giving some um, basic insights on it. Uh, maybe we can talk about something a little bit more niche with the tarot because later, because there's so many um, rabbit holes that you can go down with the tarot, um, different traditions, methods, ideas behind the cards. Um, they're fascinating. Well, thank you for coming on again. I appreciate it. Thank you. I want to thank Calum again for coming on the show. I absolutely love our chats. Seriously, this Gemini could probably go on for a couple hours just learning things <laughs> from him. So I really appreciate him putting up with my chatty Kathy <laughs> tendency. Um, uh, if you would like to take classes from him, he does have the private tarot classes. He had a palmistry class that was absolutely amazing and I'm hoping he does that again. Hint, hint. <laughs> and if you'd like to book a reading, a palmistry reading, a astrology or a chart reading or a tarot reading, you can find him on Facebook, Fortune by Calum, as well as Instagram, Fortune by Calum. So, um, yeah, I think that's all I've got. But I just want to say, please check him out. His services are amazing. Um, I am going to get a tarot reading from him because I've got a, I've gotten a palmistry one and a chart reading and both of them like blew me, it blew me away how, um, insightful it was into my own life and my personality. It was really really cool um so i'm really excited to get a tarot reading as well so um again if you'd like to check him out go to K fortune by calum on instagram and on facebook i want to say thank you also to all the new coven members we have a bunch of new members and i want to say thank you so much for supporting the podcast and joining our group this coven is priceless. Uh, I absolutely love this 
this group of people supporting each other, even though we all have different paths, different beliefs. It's absolutely amazing. So um, what we have coming up in the coven. So what is today? Today's Tuesday. So Thursday, we have Card Reader Thursday, where we have members in our coven give free live readings to the rest of the coven. Um, we also have... Um, witchcrafting zooms is what we're calling them and it's a, a class taught by me or somebody in the coven because I feel like we should learn from each other learning from each other and sharing our ideas and experiences is how we grow and we bond with each other and I think it's beautiful so if you would like to join the coven go to witchywomanpodcast.com click on join the coven and that'll take you to my patreon where you can choose um, a support level everything all the support levels get you into the coven so check that out. It only costs a dollar. And yeah, that's all the self-promotion that I can muster because <laughs> I hate doing it. But anyway, I will talk to you guys later. And as always, stay witchy. Bye-bye.